Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's probably my easiest and happiest hour of the week as I'm surrounded in my studio with four beautiful women. Uh, so this is going to be fun for me. As always, it's the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. We talk about a little bit of anything and everything. And we've got uh, the power panel today. Um, uh, Rosie, who is always uh, kind of one of my uh, go-to people. She is a uh, uh, media advancement director, KTIS, mother of two boys, wife of Gary. She's an author and public speaker. I have Julie Sampson. Uh, she's the founder of Innovative Growth, focusing on helping organizations and teams work through conflict, mistrust, and interdepartmental tension. And she lives here in the Twin Cities with her husband, Todd, and they got three kids. And then uh, Lori Sherman's here. She's the field executive for Isagenics. I hope I said that right. Yes, pa- you did. Passionate about living the life that God intended for us and living with intentionality. She lives in the Twin Cities with her husband, Andy, and their two boys. So that's the uh, power panel for today. And here are three things they have in common. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all wives and mothers. And uh, here's the years they've been married, 13, 21, and 25. So uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to get started with the amazing and beautiful queens of the roundtable. you long to feel God's presence? The Our Daily Bread, God Hears Her, daily devotional for women, brings hope from El Shama, the God who hears. With a daily devotional for women and by women, establish a practice of spending time reading God's Word and praying to the God who hears. We're giving away five copies of the God Hears Her daily devotional this week. Enter to win today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com. It's pretty easy to waste time on electronic devices, but there's also an easy way to grow in your faith through your connected phone or tablet. When you download the free Faith Radio app, you can listen to the live audio stream, read the latest articles, listen to past programs, and keep up with the latest events and giveaways. Search for Faith Radio in iTunes or Google Play and enjoy Faith Radio today on any connected device. show i've got the beautiful and amazing queens of the round table management does not pay me for this hour and i'm a-okay with that <laughs> they don't pay us either so it's, good. <laughs> it's win-win <laughs> win-win and of course and uh my uh my ladies today are rosie Lori, and julie welcome thank you thank you yeah Join it's us. awfully nice to have you here it's always good to be here bill now we've got uh three generations here don't we mm-hmm. we do and i represent the 20s Okay, not the 20s. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wasn't very smart then. All right, I'll take the 40s. And so we got thir- 30s, 40s, and 50s, yes, right? I'm yes. the 50s. Yes. And right. 20s if we, if we count uh, Sierra at the board. 
So yes. we got all of our bases covered. And just if we talk about identities, you, you are mothers and wives and entrepreneurs. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we do have identity and it changes over time, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So yes. how did it go? How did your identity change from before you were a wife and a mother to uh, after you became both? Hmm. Who wants a- to start with that? I can start since I'm the oldest and I've been the longest in the wife and mother side of it. Uh, you know, it was gradual, a gradual identity shift. Um, I didn't realize in my 20s I was so consumed with me. And then as you get married, you you know, you know put your needs above your husband, above your children as they come. And so my identity totally shifted from self-concern to um, more aware of other people in my family. And in order to do that, I know for me I had to align with my true identity, which is um, the citizen of heaven, God's daughter. And so for me, it went from self-concern to my first identity is always I'm a a daughter of the high king. Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I would say in your 20s, same thing. Like I went to college um, and just kind of relearning who I am. Like I grew up in a church, but they didn't really speak much about identity in that. And so um, I met my husband, Andy, who was also a Christian, and I feel like that brought me back to refocus on faith um, and got me diving more. And then once we had kids, it was like, oh, what did I do as a child? And really wanted to dive into faith more because I had kids to take care of. Um, and my parents set an awesome example of that at home. And I just went back to that reference of what did my mom do, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of dived in. And at the same time, it got my attention again, and God got my heart at a whole new level and um, he's grown me a lot in the last 10 years. I'm 37, and it's been an amazing journey. And, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm, I'm so glad the 20s are gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree. I don't think I want to reflect on my time as a 20-year-old. <clears throat> but I would say it's interesting how um, God grows your identity mm-hmm. and um, nurtures it because, you know, without shame, r- recognizing that who you were as 20s, he gives you an opportunity to grow in who you're going to be as a 30-year-old, which <clears throat> for me was a wife and a mom, and I think purposefully draws you away from yourself, you know, from you begin to identify as I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wife, and then I need to take care of my kids. I have stuff I have to do for them, and that becomes so much of, of who we are, and unfortunately, then that can lead us to um, stray from our true identity, that God has a purpose for us. Aside from being a wife and a mother, he has plans for us. And I'm sort of facing that right now when I think about launching my first child into college is my role as his mom is changing. My role of mothering him is changing and having to learn what it's like to still be his mom, but be his cheerleader as Mm -hmm. opposed to be mothering him. So I think I'm in this phase of also transitioning too. Mm -hmm. I've heard that you are oftentimes the sum total of five of your friends. So... Mm -hmm. Now that you are at this phase of life, um, how have your friends changed over the years? Mm. Do you still have the same kinds of friends you had in college, or have you gotten new friends? And are they are they encouraging you in your walk with the Lord and your parenting and you, all of that? I would say definitely they've changed. Um, my interests are different than they were in the 20s. Um, I joined a mom's group when I had kids, and just to find like-minded women that want to raise their children the same was huge for me. And so I can learn from them, they can learn from me, and we can learn from the mentors. And we had mentor moms in our mom's group, and that was so helpful. And so just when you're in the season of life, I feel like your season of life kind of determines your friendships. 
um, even though I have best friends in different cities, it depends on timing, right? And our kids' schools and all mm-hmm. that stuff of how things align. Um, but then also what you're going after. I'm one that wants to grow and change and become who God wants me to become. And I know that's a lifelong journey and not everyone's on that same pace or has that same goal or desire. So I think once you're plugging yourself into the right groups or growth conferences or anything like that, you meet like-minded people and you tend to go with that just because you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And I think that's true, too, um, on the other side of the coin, when God is transforming you Mm -hmm. and you need to take a look at your friend groups. And if he's pruning an area in your life and you're with a friend group that supports that area, you need to take a look at it and say, you know, that may not be the best group of people for me to hang out with right now, to socialize with, if it's supporting a behavior that God is trying to get out of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's that accountability that we have in the transformation part with the Lord to really say, is this who you would have me be with? And not in judgment, but in in just obedience to him. And sometimes that takes a little bit more courage. But as he's changing our identity, it seems that he gives us the strength to do that too. Mm-hmm. Do, do you all have friends that you could just call and just back the truck up and unload everything you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think friends that I could do that freely with, like okay. friends yes. who I could show my worst side with, mm-hmm. I call them my iron sharpens iron friends. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and there's probably only a handful of those women because those are the friends that I know I could be who I am in that moment, but they always believe the best in me. And that's beautiful. <clears throat> and they're mm-hmm. also willing to say, hey, Julie, I believe this about you, even when you don't believe it about yourself. And I think every woman needs that. We, we need to have yes. somebody to call out the best in us. Yes. And I, I'm telling you, I'm so grateful to have a friend group like that. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be lost. I think God builds our relationship with him through our relationships with people. And those kinds of people are essential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anybody yeah. else on that? that those friends you can call and they kind of drop what they're doing to sort of respond to you. That's pretty special. It is special. And I think they teach us how to be better friends to others. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. the example, I have a couple friends where they really taught me. I remember the first time uh, my dear friend, Mary, I'm calling you out. Um, <laughs> she emailed a, a prayer of asking for forgiveness for something. And I had never been in a friendship where someone said, I stepped out of line. Can you forgive me? And I told her, I'm like, forgive you. You have just taught me what it's like to really walk a Christian walk and to really be humble in the Lord. And so she taught me what it's like to be actually transparent. And then I'm able to be transparent to others. So it's a two-way street with a good friend group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable is well underway. And that means uh, if you want to jump into the conversation or you've heard something that you want more explanation on, uh, you can ask them, certainly not me. The number is 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484, or you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome to Thursday, Hour 2, which is the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. I'll try to do this as regularly as I can. I'm joined in studio by Julie Sampson, Lori Sherman, and Rosie Brazen, and we are just discussing a little bit of anything and everything. 
And as we were chatting about uh, identity, and identity is a big topic for everybody, male or female, um, because it's something that we think about probably a lot. We need to know who we are in Christ, because you really don't know who you are until you know who you are in Christ. But then there's that other part of the identity that we struggle with, and then the the difficult or negative aspects of our personality that we have trouble identifying, like maybe jealousy, for example, or <laughs> envy. <laughs> who wants to look at that or who sees it? And I know we all have four or five blind spots. And is that something that lives in a blind spot? Ladies? Maybe, maybe it is, but nobody's told me yet. <laughs> maybe it's still a blind spot. All right. <laughs> I don't know if it's a jealousy or envy, but, you know, it's part of growing in the Lord when I, you know, we have these phases where we are just drawn to the cross and we love him and he's everything we think about, especially when he's just new into our lives. And as the Holy Spirit takes root in us and begins the process of cleaning us up, there's that process of conviction as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to me because when he has brought things out of my blind spot, and it's usually one at a time, he doesn't, you know, take me down these seasons where you need this and this and this. It's usually one gentle thing at a time. Once I've been able to identify it, whether it is jealousy or, you know, greed or any of the of the sin natures that we all have, I'm able once I'm able to be accountable to it, it takes me into a different trust level with Jesus. Like he really did die for this particular sin. He really does love me regardless of this sin. I've had it all this time and he still loves me. So now he wants this gone and it's easier to be once you're accountable to it, it's easier to get it out of your life. But first you have to be able to trust the Lord that he indeed loves you through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the art of not taking on shame, right? So I can see that I have struggles. I am, the Lord doesn't call me to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. he wants to refine me, right? So when I sense that the Lord is telling me, gosh, this is an area, Julie, that I want you to work on, it's not because he wants to condemn me, Mm -hmm. but it's because he wants me to live more like him. And I think that's the piece of that maturity of understanding that when we get called out, whether the Lord calls us out or a friend, a close iron sharpens iron friend calls us out in one of those, that we're willing to say, I hear that, I, I hear that. And I don't have to go into shame because of it, but I can say, okay, Lord, I'm putting this before you and I'm asking you to refine this in me. I don't have to wear it. I don't no. have to own that. I can recognize that it's something that's outside of me, but it's something that's attacking me, you know, something like that. Really interesting. Yeah, I think awareness is key. That's where it always starts, right? And it could mm-hmm. be um, going to an event or hearing someone else go first and being authentic. Like, hey, I struggle with, like our church talked about, like struggling with anger, right? When someone shares their story on a platform, whether it's radio or a church front, like, wow, and the Holy Spirit just stirs up that conviction like Rosie talked about. And so sometimes it's not even someone else telling us, but it's really that conviction of the Holy Spirit, but because you've heard another story, it's like, oh, it's okay to be like that too, or oh, now I see it. And I think God yeah. knows exactly when we're supposed to see those spots along our journey, because then we'll be able to act on it, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes if we would have had that in our 20s, we would have missed it, or we would have acted differently. So he knows exactly when he's going to reveal that conviction. And I think that it's really Good. important to know when it's conviction versus condemnation. Mm-hmm. And when you're facing more than one thing, to me, that's a very first sign that it's the enemy trying to get me down. You know, because it's just God is gentle and he's patient and his mercies are new each day. And it that feels very different than your house isn't clean. You just said this wrong and, and, you know, yada, yada, yada down the line. That's the enemy. 
And yeah. I think it's very clear when you're under that kind of spiritual attack and when the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you. Mm-hmm. I've heard this expression often, um, when mama's happy, everybody's happy. So how much <laughs> control do women have on a family's well-being? Too much, if you ask me. Okay. I do, I, I, we've talked about this before on uh, other shows, and to me, it's, it's a trap. Um, women are the heart of the home. I believe that scripturally as well, and that we can pour into our husbands and our children and ourselves. But truly to help the other people in our family to know that their emotions are the Lord's with their emotions belong to the Lord's. They are independent. They need to stand on their own feet and help me through whatever bad mood I'm in, of course, and be kind and, and maybe leave the room. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, I shouldn't set the temperature in the whole house. That's just, I don't think that that's healthy. I feel yeah. like that's a big burden to carry. Yes. Like, oh, I set the whole temperature. Although I have found <clears throat> there was one time where I, I could definitely tell I was setting the tone in my family. I, I I don't remember what had happened, but all I know is I entered into my day. I was crabby. <laughs> and I, any question, anything was so irritating to me. And I all of a sudden noticed a shift in my daughter and she started getting super irritated with her brother. And it just, it, it came to me that I was like, this is just transferring. This is going mm-hmm. from me to her, to him. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I had this dumb phrase called the case of the yuckies. And I told my daughter, I said, you know what I think just happened? I think we got a case of the yuckies. She's like, what's that? I've got truckloads. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, it's a disease where mom transferred all of her crabbiness onto you and then you transferred that onto your brother. And what was so interesting about it is that she came to me like a month later and said, Mom, I think I got a case of the yuckies. <laughs> and it was just a great teachable moment, even though I don't think we need to carry the burden of, you know, um, setting the tone for our family. I think that no matter what, we people go into their family and it can cause this case of the yuckies. And it ended up being a good teachable moment. But it's kind of a new phrase we use in our family. I think you need a timeout because you have the case of the yuckies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of with Rosie on that, too. Um, I don't care for that saying because I feel like the husband can bring, like he needs to be happy too, right? And if it's, I shouldn't be self-reliant on my happiness. Um, but I do love the impact, like the fact that it can transfer, right? So the negative transfers, but think of the positive can also transfer, right? So we can only control ourselves and work on ourselves. So if we continue to read the Bible and be in scripture and develop the fruit of the spirit, think of that impact will transfer to your household, right? So rather than thinking if I ain't happy, no one's happy, think of if I carry the fruits of the Spirit, my family will reap the benefits so too, good. right? But yep. I want the husband to equally know he can do that on him. So if everyone's working on themselves, you're going to have a flourishing household. Mm, I like I agree. Good. I like So we always talk about love language, or we don't always, but we're aware of it. And is love language something that can morph over time? Or one day your love language is, is one of the five, and then five, ten years later it's changed to something else? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know my husband's always listening. He's like, yes. Yeah. Um, I think when you first meet, you have your honeymoon stage, so it's like going from touch or words of affection, and now I feel like as running a household and having kids, I'm like, if you can do anything. And Andy's so good. Um, he does so much around our house, but that's how I know I feel loved, and he knows that too. Or doing projects. Like, I love doing things, but I love doing them side by side. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go work on the front yard. Let's go do this. Let's go clean up the basement. And so then you get quality time, and you have laughter, and you're doing stuff, and you see progress. Um, so I know that's changed for me just because 
life is more full. You know, I don't like the word busy, but it's just full. And mm -hmm. so... Can you think of something Andy did that just delighted you beyond words? And it was a little gift of service or something he did that just you sort of took you by surprise and you went, whoa, is this ever good? Um, I know that sounds cheesy. Me. I would say daily. He takes care of our dishes like end of the night, like I'm yeah. wrapping up doing my work stuff and entrepreneur stuff. And he'll just go to the kitchen. He turns on whatever he needs to on his phone and he'll just do the dishes like every night. And I know that's not common for a lot of men to do that. And I, I'm so grateful for it every night. And he loves to reset the dishwasher. So in the morning, like it's a fresh start. And he doesn't have to do that. I'm home during the day that I could do it. Um, but I know he knows I appreciate it. And I don't know. We just yeah, It's if, something that he mm -hmm. just does. I think that's a universal love language. <clears throat> what, yeah. wouldn't, what woman wouldn't like her husband to do the dishes at yes. night? Yeah. Right. right. Set for the morning. Right. Right. Let, let, Come on. Right. Let me give Andy a little personal advice just to, just to him if he's just listening. Andy, paper plates. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about speeding the thing up, you know right? What I mean? There that you bill go. That takes away from the love language. See, it's about it's about doing the dishes, loading the dishwasher, so we can sit there and watch. Throw them in the garbage. Is <laughs> really that lovely? <laughs> I mean, there's not a language. He's saving there. time. He's saving time. That's like yeah. printing out a card instead of going to Hallmark and picking one up. You know? Sorry, Bill. Kind That's okay. That's there. okay. Um, I'm going to call you if Andy starts paper plates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. All right, let's talk about areas where, where you feel like you're growing uh, and. What does that look like, and how does it feel, and who recognizes it? Mm, that is such a mm. really good question, and not on our list. So just so you know, you're catching us all off guard. Well, that's but, okay. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit has to do with um, we think we're doing better, right. and then we believe it in our head, and we hope we are, but then when do we start mm -hmm. to feel validated for that? Does your, does your husband say, gee, honey, I got to tell you, and then kapowie, you feel like, wow, it's really working. Or how do you get validated? Or don't or don't you look for validation in some of those areas? I would imagine you would. Well, I guess for are you talking about the growth part or validation from both. So uh -huh. you're saying I want to grow in this area, mm -hmm. and then you're hoping you you're growing, but then when do you feel validated for it? Yeah. Um, I went through a ministry school two years ago, and my husband would say, like, he can tell I was changing and just how I acted and how I prayed and getting he loved seeing the growth. I think he didn't always understand because I was growing faster than him at that point mm -hmm. in faith. It was like, for me, how much do I share? You know, like, is mm -hmm. he with me? But um, we both grew through it. And so I think just having him say, wow, I can see the difference in you. Um, and I know friends have said the same thing of you, you have a different mindset as you grow with Christ, right? And you get fed different things um, that you show up differently. Mm -hmm. People notice that. And ones that are authentic want to pour in they'll say something like, hey, I've noticed you've changed or you're growing or uh, mm -hmm. I love how you pray. You know, like they can sense something different and you want that, right? If you carry the Holy Spirit, I want people to feel. I mean, how important is it to praise, to be praised for doing something well versus only being criticized when you do something that maybe is not so great? Well, it's so interesting because I think affirmation uh, is, is a double-edged sword. You know, there's the, there's the part where the sword is dull and it can be people-pleasing. And then there's a part where it's genuinely coming from the Lord and it's affirming and it's it's noticing what you're doing. So um, I think we could probably talk about that at a whole nother show for a whole show. <laughs> yeah, we certainly could. Because um, I know people are starved for affirmation, they especially um, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let me take a break. We're talking to the amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. Um, I've got Rosie, Lori, and Julie in studio. If you have any questions or issues you'd like us to tackle, let us know. 877-933-2484 or bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back.
right, we are back, and we are part two of this hour with the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable, and we're having a great discussion. I think when we last left off, uh, we started chatting about um, uh, how important affirmation is, and especially in a social media world where it can be very manipulative and your whole identity can be skewed by whether you're getting likes or not getting likes. Who wants to jump on that one? Julie, Lori, or Rosie? Please. I know I can start only because uh, my oldest son has taken a social media um, fast, and it's it's been, I think, about three or four months, and he's been able to articulate to me what is going on in his own um, perception of who he is and how social media tied into his identity and both the positive sides of it, you know, where uh, it was fun to see what people were doing and to be happy for them, and the negative side of, of realizing that there is a tie, uh, there is a tie to who you are, as people like your posts, or you feel like you need to post, or you're not posting, so are you forgotten? So there's also a whole other side of identity um, that needs to be addressed as in, in our Christian world about how much is this impacting who we think we are, versus coming back to the trough and saying, "But the Lord says I'm this." Mm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like. We've done a lot of work with going through entrepreneur classes on mindset. And if you know what social media is and the platform, knowing that people put their best foot forward and just having that healthy mindset around it um, and knowing that knowing your value first, right, and that they're equal valuable to people. So if they're on a trip and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're always on vacation and all these things. But if you know, like, hey, good for you, right, and you have that approach of positivity and, oh, they got married, good for you, you know, and just encouraging people and having that encouragement heart, you look at social media a lot different, but it's really having that healthy mindset of what social media is and where your identity lies. Mm-hmm. And I love that Rosie's son is taking time to rehone in on that and anchor in it, because once you're anchored for yourself, you can show up and cheer people on, and that jealousy doesn't come, that envy doesn't come. You're just there to like, yes, go rock out, like, go, Julie, go do what God called you to do, and I'm going to cheer you on, right? And I'm going to go do the Lori thing, and Rosie's going to do the Rosie thing, and just having that strong bond of the cheerleader versus, you know, watching the likes and all that. But it's a very real thing. But I think it's a, it's the awareness and staying in the healthy mindset of like, this is social media. People will, you know, like telling yourself those truths about right. social media. Um, and I, the part that Rosie talked about of being lost when you are off social media, since it's so heavily used for communication or schools or sports groups, you do kind of get forgotten because there's not as much stuff out there as texting for a group to go out because they just use social media. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So mm-hmm. that's a real thing too of reminding people that you are here when you're off social media. Yeah. And I we think-, think about who we've become, you know, as women and how long it's taken us to really understand that our identity is really rooted in Christ. Mm-hmm. We have our children who are teenagers who are just trying to figure all that out and then be bombarded by social media that <clears throat> constantly gives them messages that you are not enough because what when they see everyone having fun and doing these things our our response to that internally is i don't have that or i need more of that and so it constantly makes us feel more empty as opposed to be more likely to encourage others which is the positive way the way that we need to be um, and so we read these things and our perception becomes our reality with it right and our Perception is our reality, but what's dangerous is when our perception becomes truth. Mm -hmm. 
And the truth being <clears throat> that we think is truth is like, this person has a better life than me. Oh, you know, if only I had a husband like that. If only I had a, a, a kid who did those things that I've seen on social media. It just feeds us emptiness. And so then it becomes that we have this truth in our minds that everyone has a better life than we do. And I think those are conversations that we should be having with our kids, which is recognize that, you know what, what people do in social media is often put their best foot forward. They put the best of themselves forward, not necessarily the authentic self. And so when our kids can understand or look at social media and look at it in those terms, um, it gives them a chance to have more critical thinking, I think, that... Mm -hmm. Ability to think objectively and look at things objectively as opposed to think what I see is truth. Can we pause and consider that there's a message that message that's being sent to you that actually isn't truth? It's just a reality in your mind that you've made into a truth. And I think the parents today that have kids that are elementary age, if they live with intentionality to do those things, Julie, wonderful because social media erupted on us. Yeah. So it's been around for what, 12 years, maybe 15 years now. And so we're just now seeing what we didn't know. We didn't really know to start teaching these things, but there is a whole new wave of parents out there that have an opportunity to make some change by being intentional to take their kids and to start teaching that, to start giving them a frame, to, to give them um, ways to process that we didn't really know. I mean, I remember when texting came around and my kids were just starting to do that, you know? And I remember my husband saying, aren't you ever going to learn te texting? And I went, do I have to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and now there's, you know, direct messaging and Snapchat and, you know, boom, it exploded. Mm -hmm. And so I think it all caught, it caught us off guard. Mm -hmm. And it's time to get, put our feet down back in the foundation of Christ and start teaching. Yeah. I love that, Rosie. What about the emotional temperature of the world today? Is it hotter than usual? Pretty much the same, where do you see it? And how does a Christian woman be the voice of reason in the world today? <laughs> uh, I, I think there, it is hotter. I think there's a lot of people, um, we were talking about this in our family, about um, the Me Too um, movement that went on. And, and yes, that it's horrible that uh, women should not be put in those positions. Um, politics. I mean, there's a lot of that in our world today, just hot opinion. And there's so many platforms to put your opinion, mm -hmm. um, to air your opinion. And I think as Christians, women today, and what I felt called by God to do in my own relationships and conversations is to bring it back to him. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, this is going on, but he, he knew this and he's already conquered this on the cross. And so how can we pray to bring change I noticed that that calms me down. And in my friend groups, we've been praying more for change and, and not giving this negativity as much air as it wants because we're remembering, we're, you know, the Lord's already taken care of all of this. This is not a surprise to him. Mm. Right. I would say the same thing of when there's things that you're not liking or not seeing, like bring it back to God, yes, but also take action, right? If something's on your heart, like you can come back biblically with things, right? Mm -hmm. You can go create your own movement in a positive way. Um, I just lost my thought. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Welcome to my world. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're in your 30s. That say, starts to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And maybe I'm sitting too close yeah. to her because I am in my 50s. Yeah, it might have like, <laughs> no. I, you know, I think the piece of it is that we tend to be so reactive. Like we can hide behind social media. We can hide behind things and just be reactive in our responses and in our opinions and this is this is sort of a hot topic for me. I like this topic because, of course, I'm dealing, you know, my 
work is in conflict and working with organizations. And I feel like one of the things is that if people could learn two things, <clears throat> one is to listen more than talk, mm-hmm. um, listen to the other side, um, find someone who has a different opinion than you, someone who has a different faith than you, someone who has a different perspective than you and practice the art of listening. Listening doesn't mean you agree. Listening means that you want to understand. And I think that piece, learning to listen and then also responding, not reacting. So learning to respond in a way that says, ultimately, my ultimate goal is to honor God. And if my response brings about greater unity, then I am in the will of God. Um, and <clears throat> doesn't mean we don't stand up for things. I'm not saying that, but I just think that idea of responding versus reacting and learning to listen well, as opposed to speak, um, without thinking is if we just as a society could practice that, I think the emotional temperature would become cooler. If I put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, me too. Is there a topic or any theme in your life that you're working on right now that you're really passionate about? Well, I just kind of spoke about it, actually. I know you, I know you, I, I know you did, which sort of triggers yeah. my, my question to the other ladies. Yeah. I mean, because that was crystal clear. Mine is women's ministry, I think, because how you usually love and you have passion for what you have gone through. And so going from my 20s to 30s and kind of having that aha light bulb of what God made me for, right? And the calling and the identity on my life, but knowing you equally have your own calling and identity and just to pour what I have learned over the last 10 years into women, because I want them to feel as good as I feel. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? But I want them to feel good in their own skin, right? Versus like, oh, what does Lori have? Or what does Rosie have? Like, no, no, no. Like, what do you have? What did God equip you with? And to remind women that they are designed for so much more, right? Yes, you're a wife. Yes, you're a mom. But take those away. Like, who are you to your core and help people kind of find that. And so that's why I love doing speaking engagements and things like that to get women thinking and dreaming big and aligning their heart with God's heart. Right. Because you're connected to the God of the universe. He has unlimited resources. Like I want people to get excited, like unlimited resources. Right. And if you dial into that, like the sky's there's no limit. And so rather than thinking like, oh, as wives and women, we have to carry this on ourselves. And how do I get there? And how do I get this next thing? When you really just come back to Christ and say, Lord, where do you want me? Right. And willing to pack up your two-story house or your rambler or your three-story house, you know, any of that, like those are all God's gifts and not being attached to any of the tangible. Right. And I always say like, if God took your husband or God took your kids and he placed you you know, in some random country, could you survive because you have that strong of faith of like, Lord, okay, here we go. Or would it be devastating, you know, and really finding that anchor um, and helping women find that. So that's my passion. I love it. That's Mm -hmm. a beautiful passion. And as you were speaking, Lori, I was thinking it really fits alongside mine because my passion has been really trusting the character of God. We've heard Mm -hmm. our whole lives that he loves us. But to flip that over and say, what does he look like? Like, how do I return that love in relationship (laughs) with him? And from that, it led me to truly understanding my identity under the name of Jesus Christ and standing in the territory that he has given us against the things that are out in the world. We have a lot more opportunity and strength through him than we use under the name of Jesus Christ as citizens of heaven. So I'm extremely passionate about teaching people how to pray in their authority, walking in their authority, not receiving what the world is saying is, you know, negative or um, victimhood or rebellion and all those things, because truly, if we could understand what he has defeated, we'd be walking with our heads much higher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love Mm -hmm. opening up those doors of really, let's pray 
in petition, yes, but now let's pray in a position of standing. And it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, ladies, let's educate the men out there a little bit right now because they're probably climbing into their vehicles and thinking, hmm, what's one small thing I can do to love on my wife? Any counsel? I don't know. Gary, he just does the sweetest things. He did one thing that all men can do. He looked at my odometer and took my car in and had the oil changed. And I what just win. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, that is one little thing. Just look at her car and just what does it need? I mean, that's huge because we're always carting kids and going here and there. And that's just a beautiful thing to do. Mm. Cars need oil changes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning something new every day. There you are. <laughs> Maybe your wife could change the oil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think um, men to recognize that your this goes back, Lori, to what you said, just that your wife also has dreams and desires and an identity, an identity far beyond changing diapers if you're in that season or um, managing schedules if you're in that season, um, that your wife has dreams beyond that. And I think it's just really beautiful when a husband can come alongside his wife and say, like, dream, like, what, what, what's your dream? Like, tell me, like, what, what, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? To recognize that you're more than just this mother or just this wife and to say, how can I support you? Like, what would that look like? And I think just to dream with your wife is um, it's just a, a beautiful act of love because it allows her to also remember that she is created by God for her own purpose. And this gift she's been given in the season of life is beautiful. And yet she may have more dreams that if you stood behind her in that, oh, that's like love language number one. It is. I love it. Let me take a little break and then we'll rejoin the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Round Table. If you have a question or issue you would like us to grapple with, 877-933-2484 or you can email me, Bill, at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Beautiful and amazing queens of the round table are in the studio, which makes my hour fly by. And uh, Rosie and Lori and Julie are sitting around the studio table, and they're so bright and so interesting, and uh, they've got such great wisdom. And as we were talking about uh, little things that that uh, you know men can do to love on their wives, uh, maybe I'll turn it and say, how can wives encourage their husbands? That's such a good topic and, and one that's not, I think, spoken very often. I know that um, I have five sisters, or I'm one of five sisters, and we talk about this. We talk about the pitfalls of not of not encouraging them in, in how we should or would like to. Um, and I think one of the conclusions we've drawn is that when we invite them into the opportunity of running the house, like doing the dishes or, you know, doing the laundry, we have to be quiet and not be critical of how they're doing it mm-hmm. because they're showing up and they are doing it. And so it invites, as we invite them an opportunity to share in the household, we also invite ourselves into an opportunity of not having so much control and to grow in our own um, identity of just letting it be. And it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. And so across my sisters, this has been you know, a conversation that we've talked about many times just allowing them 
to do what they're going to do it the way they're going to do it and be happy about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important is date night and how often do you have it and how has it changed over the years? I say it's very important. Um, we Why? are still working on it. Okay. With kids at home, we have uh, one that's going into third grade and one into first grade. And just to connect, again, to remind yourselves that you're more than just parents, right? Because mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of stories of where people have kids and then they move out and they go to college or move out of the house at 18. And it's like, oh, who are you, right? Because they were so invested in their kids, they forgot to be connected themselves. And so Andy and I, we put date nights on the calendar. We try to be good at writing them down. But even like this past week, the last two weeks, we had it on the calendar and then we come home like, okay, let's just get stuff done around the house. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're needing to somehow figure out like, commit to commit to commit to that versus that's one thing for us that goes to the back burner. And is it because one of you didn't have a plan? Because did Andy show up and say, hey, it's date night. I'm taking you here. And you go, wow, I better get dressed. Yeah. No, that was not the case. But (laughs) he did put them on the calendar. We just didn't line up sitters. I mean, whose job is it to decide what's going to happen? Right. We talk about that. Like, hey, you plan it, you plan it. And then like, let's put on the calendar and then no one takes the next step. And so that's one thing like it's real that we're working on of how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And we tried to do it with my sister because they have a new boy, um, almost two year old now. Like, let's flip flop. Like we were were trying to take all these little actions. Um, But it's still something that I would say it's hard work. You don't just fall into a date night, at least with kids at home. Um, especially kids with that need babysitters. So, but we've talked about like our next thing, we want to go golfing, like just start to getting, being active. Like we're mm-hmm. over just going to dinner. Like to us, like that's not exciting anymore. Like let's, let's go do something and be back to where we were when we met in our twenties. And then you can still have good conversation in between activity or going for a walk. Um, so yeah, we're working on actually getting it in, but our goal was once a month and Nice. You we'll just got to learn how to eat on yeah. the golf course. It comes so naturally to me. Yes. <laughs> That's such an honest answer, though. Thank you. And thank you for your That's transparency. It's, but it's so honest because how many of us have great intentions, mm-hmm. but then there's, you know, one little blowing of the wind, you know, one baseball game that was you forgot about, and the date night goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And so what I hear you saying is is the intentionality has to be there first, and, and then you have to work on the next step. Yeah. Because I think we're in such a microwave society, people just think, boom, date night happens. No, you could have a sitter that cancels. You could think that one of you made dinner reservations or golf reservations, and it didn't get done. And so it's, it's just beautifully transparent. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still something on us that that's the first thing we'll push, right, versus making like that's the most important thing. And we know that. It's just, again, mm-hmm. getting it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can distract us, right, from being able to make that a priority. And I, I, lo- I love your idea, Lori, of adventure, you know, yeah. because sometimes it is like, oh, what's the easy thing? Oh, let's go grab dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I remember there were different seasons in my life where my husband and I where it's like, oh, we didn't have a lot of money at this point where the kids are really young. So when you think about a babysitter for $10 an hour and dinner, it's like, wow, that's an expensive night. But it can be something where we go for a walk. But then also to consider other seasons of life where you could do something that's sort of adventurous. I I think that speaks to my husband. It's like, oh, let's just try something new we haven't done before. Mm -hmm. And it may not be eye to eye communication that women we tend to like, but it's talking and laughing mm-hmm. and having fun alongside our spouse that I think makes great date nights. Mm-hmm. So don't you think ladies when your husbands have planned the date night and they've gotten the sitter isn't that like a big that's the present all in of, of itself? Mm-hmm. I mean that's huge. So, you know, Bill when you're yeah. asking what can husbands do, plan the whole night. 
I yeah. mean, right. how wonderful mm-hmm. is that? And then as women, we have to really shut our mouths and not say, well, what did you plan then for dinner? What do you mean they're only having mac and cheese and hot dogs? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? Like, right? Like, you know, when they didn't plan all the details that you would have thought of, mm-hmm. it's time just to like not speak to that and let it go and just focus on the being thankful for what he did do it but that's easy for us women to fall into it really, it really is. is we have to be i mindful. can't stop that thinking about mac and cheese and hot dogs what time is dinner tonight <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't live that far away billy oh, okay all right <laughs> probably a mac so, cheese and hot dogs what's the one thing you still absolutely love 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 about your husband oh i love his sense of humor he okay. makes me laugh we just that's got a big done deal, isn't it Oh, it's huge. And we just got done um, taking our youngest son to boot camp at Great Lakes Naval Base. So we had six hours in the car with Al and then six hours together on the way home, all in a 36-hour period. So there was a lot of together time. He makes me laugh. Like, the, it, he just makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's the silliest darn things. And we've known each other 27 years. That's so That's great. Yeah. I would say for Andy, I love his smile. It's the same smile. And I'm excited to see, like, as we get older, like, that'll always carry through, I think, um, just to see what it looks like. But his smile, and then he always just shows up. Like, he always gives 100% as a dad. And I just love that. Like, he's in the backyard with the kids. He's coaching their games. He packs the car. He unpacks the car. You know, he just, I feel like he's a very, I don't even know what the word to put on him is, but just rock solid, and he just shows up, and he's all in. Where I have some friends where, their husbands don't do everything or oh, they have to do the baths every night. Like Andy does the kids' stories at night because I see them all day long and he wants to do bedtime, you know, and some guys want to come home and just crash on the couch. So I appreciate just how all in that he is into our marriage and for our kids. My husband is, um, he is like Mr. Steady Eddie and my friends who know my husband just, he is, he just doesn't emote. I am the emoter in the family. So he is just my steady Eddie and his name is not Eddie, but I call him my steady Eddie. Um, you know, he just maintains a sense of peace and I just love that because yeah. I just think that it is no matter what's happening, he has this, this sense of peace and you can go to him with anything that feels sort of chaotic and he can just think critically and logically and just extend peace even through when he's not saying anything. Um, it's so good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been awfully uh, interesting to hear about three Christian women that have good marriages and then there's no perfect marriage, right? Right. right. Um, but there's lots of listeners that are driving home to a, an otherwise disastrous situation tonight because their mm-hmm. marriage mm-hmm. is in the tank mm-hmm. and they don't even know if you know they're hardly going to get through the night. Um, how do you encourage people that are in that situation? They're literally in the car right now mm-hmm. and they're driving home and they're kind of nervous or dreading a little bit. You know, I think um, we have to speak to the loneliness of that as well. And that's a very lonely spot, especially when you're hearing us saying, oh, he's wonderful, yeah, and, you know, um, or she. And and the truth is, is that as much as that feels lonely and sad and nervous, they're not alone, that the Lord does walk with them, that he is hearing them. He's heard every single prayer they've prayed on behalf of their spouse. And in that, in those moments when they're, I know when Gary and I have been in difficult stages of our marriage, it really, really helped to reach out to a friend, to tell somebody where you're at, to find a prayer partner that can pray for your spouse in the way um, to find resolution with the Lord, wherever that might be. And sometimes it's a counselor. Sometimes you need somebody that is completely objective, that's going to be healthy for you. Uh, but any, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling nervous, you, to reach out to someone. Mm-hmm. 
I think is key because that moves the ball forward into a healthier spot. Yeah. Mm. And I think keep in mind what messages you are telling yourself about your husband. Now, everybody's situation is different, so I don't think I can generalize this in every situation, but can can you even change? Is there something that needs to be changed within your own heart towards your husband? Like, do I, when I'm driving home, am I now thinking about all the things that my husband is not? He's not mm-hmm. peaceful or he doesn't make me laugh or, you know, whatever that is. Um, can I ask the Lord to show me, Lord, what is it that, how do you see him? Because the Lord sees his goodness. And are there things, Lord, that I've forgotten about that you can remind me of so that when I walk in that door, even though things are not 100% great, um, there is goodness in this man. So Lord, help me to see that. I think there's something to be said about that. What we're feeding, are we feeding this, oh, he's not, or are we feeding, Lord, I know that he is this too. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, that's good. I just wanted to say, if we've painted a picture of perfect marriages right now, I want to say that is not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if someone went to that realm, yeah. um, that we do have struggles daily and it's always, okay, how can we do better, right? Or there's nights where it's like, I've heard this thing called the 10 o'clock rule where don't start deep conversations after 10 p.m. because they never end well, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, 10 05, like we're not going there. Like I'm going to bed, you know, <laughs> and that's real. So I um, just want to say that God sees you for those that are going home and you're not sure God Amen. sees you. He knows your heart. And I just, I always love to give an action item. If you want to do something, just walk through your home and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to enter those rooms. Mm-hmm. That wraps up our mm-hmm. time. Thank you so much, ladies. Julie, Lori, and Rosie, it's been a great time being with you. The amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. Have a great night, everyone. As you lay your head on that pillow, God's working out his great plan in your life. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.